chips and cookies and stuff, so I will let them do that. And while they're doing that, we're going to go ahead and dive in and get started into our uh, week one lesson, all right? So hey, like I said, if you have your phone tonight and you want to follow along with us in the Bible app, please do that. I don't know. So I was hanging out last week with a terrorist organization, and I was just seeing how like, much you guys are actually listening to me. So no, no terrorist organizations for me. I don't do that very much. All right. Hey, real quick. Um, last week, we had the back to school bash, which was awesome. But in the morning, we had JHM. And so I had a little lesson uh, that I prepared for JHM last week that I didn't get to talk with you guys about. So I'm going to do a, a five-minute crash course through what we talked about last week. Last week, Zaid, hit that slide for me. Last week, we talked about four types of reasoning, all right? So if you ever um, go to court, which I hope none of you have to do that, but if you ever go to court, like as a convict, <laughs> not like I'm a lawyer, um, lawyers, will argue, lawyers will argue cases and stuff based on different reasoning styles, all right? So these are, if you're in high school, uh, you've maybe heard about these before. So real quick, here are four different types of reasoning that we looked at with JHM last week. I'll look at it with you guys. Deductive reasoning is like if you're writing a research paper, you start in the first paragraph with a thesis or a big idea, and then you make um, subpoints to support that case, all right? So it's kind of like a top-down way of arguing your point. So an example of that might be, your contention, your thesis is Pastor Nick likes coffee, and then you give all the reasons why. Like, he has yellow stained teeth, and he smells bad, and he drinks it a lot, and at crossings, he spilled it when he was running down the aisle to play that game, right? That may be some of your subpoints from your deductive reasoning style of argument. Inductive is the opposite. So you start with questions first. Like, man, I always see Pastor Nick carrying around coffee, and his teeth are really yellow, and he smells like coffee a lot. Like, I wonder if he likes coffee. So deductive is top-down. Inductive is kind of bottom-up. Like, you make observations, and then you kind of end with a big, like, thesis or a big kind of conclusion. Abduction is another type of reasoning. And this one is, like, if you walk outside and you see yellow snow— you probably don't just assume that it's yellow snow cone flavoring in the snow, right? You're going to steer clear of eating that snow and probably stepping in that snow because your assumption is that that yellow snow is probably dog pee or perhaps people pee, all right? And the thing is, you don't have to actually see the dog physically pee in the snow to make the assumption that that is what is there. But that's the type of reasoning you're making, all right? You're assuming that a dog peed in that snow, even though you never laid eyes on the dog actually doing it. That's abduction reasoning. Now, one of the ways in which we kind of play that out is this last one, which is inference to the best explanation. So let me give you an example. We find water all over the ground, okay? Someone give me an example of what could be an explanation for why there's water all over the ground. Pee, okay, that would actually be urine all over the ground. It rained, all right? That's one explanation as to why there's water all over the ground. Why it? Huh? A sprinkler. That could be a reason why there's water on the ground. Zach? Someone spilled their glass of water. Alec? Someone was crying. Someone was crying. Tori? Someone went into labor. Okay. 
hey, don't hire her for your restaurant. No, I'm just kidding. Now listen, all those aside, let's just take like three of them. Let's take rain, let's take sprinkler, and let's take someone spilled their water, okay? If it were someone spilled their water, what might be some other clues that you would look for? A cup, what else? A person. See you guys, thank you. Yeah. Ice cubes maybe, if it was ice water, right? Listen, if it rained, whoever said rain, Noah, then the water would be everywhere, right? If it was someone spilled their water, it'd be in one little kind of concentrated area. You might see a cup, ice cubes. If there's a sprinkler, you may see a, a pattern, like if it's one of these sprinklers that kind of goes like this, then it may be wet up to a certain spot, but then once you walk past the sprinkler, you'd be like, oh, it's dry here. So uh, it didn't rain because um, the sprinkler the sprinkler has a certain distance of water, okay? Now here's the thing. That's the, the type of reasoning that we have to make when it comes to answering the big question, and that's what we're gonna dive into tonight. The big question kind of at hand that we're looking at is this, is how did all of this get here? Now when I say this, I'm talking about the world, creation, the cosmos, okay? How did all of this get here? And what we're gonna do is we're gonna make the best inference or the best explanation, we're gonna make an inference based off of that. What I mean by that is this, not one single of us in this entire room were there at the beginning or the creation of the world, correct? Can we all agree on that? All right, so none of us laid eyes on the earth being created. And so that being said, we have to look at the context clues, like if there were water on the ground, what would we be looking at? Is there a cup? Is there ice? Is there a person? Is the glass broken, right? So we're going to look at our context clues to answer this big question, why, big question, Chance, why did this all, or how did this all get here? All right, so I need you to turn your thinking caps on, all right? I know it's Sunday night, I know that you're all lamenting the Bengals' loss, but we are going to, uh, we're going to go deep tonight, all right? This is going to be very sciencey. it's going to be very heady, so I would encourage you to take notes somehow, that's one of the reasons I made the version thing, is you can take notes on top of that. If not, uh, take it on like paper and pen in front of you, um, but I, I want to encourage you to take some notes. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at four different worldviews, all right? And these are the four different ones at hand. So the first one we're going to look at is materialism. And this is not just like you like a lot of stuff, okay? Zaid, materialism, buddy. Zaid, materialism. All right, so materialism is this. Matter first, God second. Matter first, God second. What that means is that creation or the things of the world existed first, and then we, the created, uh, decided, you know what? There's a big void here. We need to put God in this gap. So, so an atheist would contend, listen, all of this was here first, and then we as humans, we found a desire or a need to have God, so we filled that void and we made him up. That is the argument that a materialist might make, all right? And so some other things um, that materialism would show us is, I'm gonna show up here by using, uh, by using this real fast. Let me turn these back onto view uh, so here are some arguments. Here are some arguments a materialist might make. So they may say that matter or space is self-organizing. All right. So matter and space existed, but then it created the order that we see now—the solar system, the planets, um, the the atmosphere, right? All those types of things. It might also say that it is self-creating. All right. So matter existed. 
And then it created other things, other matter. And ultimately, that's where human life came from. Things created us, all right? Some other examples might be, they would say, it is eternal, all right? It, matter always was. The universe always was. It just so happened at one point, some asteroids collided, and now we have our universe, our solar system, or, you know, whatever the explanation for uh, the Big Bang might be. Um, some others says it is self-existent, right? It, it, it didn't have a beginning. It just always was, and it didn't need a creator. Matter, it just, it just was, okay? It was self-existent, all right? Now, listen, one of the things you're going to notice is that that argument sounds a lot like a, a Christian's argument of God, right? Eternal, self-existent, self-organizing, um, always was, self-creating, all right? Um, and so God's not self-creating, but, but that sounds a lot like how we as Christians would kind of argue it. So really, a materialist is someone who says, no, God didn't exist. Stuff existed first, and we just created a God, and we would say, no, God created first, and he created all this stuff, and here's the evidence for it, okay? And so that's one kind of point of view on it. The second point of view is um, one called pantheism, okay? Any Star Wars fans out there? All right. Pantheism is a lot like the force, all right? It's just kind of this thing that's out there, and you, like, you are strong with the force, so you have a lot of the force in you. Um, it, it's kind of this like ambiguous, kind of like floating kind of thing, all right? Um, it's also like the, the one in, in Thor, the, the ether thing that got, right? It's kind of like that, all right? Just kind of like floating, a, a blob, whatever. I want to give you a quote. This came from um, a song, and this is what it says. It says, this corner of the earth is like me in many ways. I can sit for hours here. I can watch the emerald feathers play. On the face of it, I'm blessed when the sunlight comes for free. Know this corner of the earth, it smiles at me. That's kind of a pantheistic point of view. Like God is in everything. God is everywhere. God is in this corner of the earth. God is in that shrub out there. God is in Wendy's lanyard. All right, I don't know. Like whatever it might be, like God is just all places. And so a pantheistic point of view is, is things were kind of always are and God just kind of is in it. So that's why I said matter first, God second-ish. This one's very like Eastern and, and just kind of kind of fluid and there's, there's not a lot of great answers with it. And so that's a view of pantheism. So in these things, answering this big question, how do we all get here? Materialism and pantheism both would argue and both would contend that matter or stuff or space or the cosmos or the universe or whatever all came first. And we as humans sort of assigned God back into that, all right? So that would be a, a, a way that they would contend that, that they would argument. Um, the next one is deism, okay? And deism flips that. And it says, no, 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 there is evidence for a creator. Or there is evidence for someone that had to put all of these things into motion. However, you and I might be, you might be sitting there thinking, well, a deist, that kind of sounds like us, right? It does a little bit, except there's one major caveat with deism. And deism is that God created everything and then he just stepped away. Oh, there's my family. Deism created everything and then he stepped away. God is uninvolved. 
God is impersonal. God doesn't care. All right, that's, that's kind of the deistic point of view. The last one, which I actually forgot to put on the screen, is theism, all right? And this is the one that you and I ascribe to. And so theism is, again, God first, matter second. God created everything. But the major difference is that God still cares. God cares what happens to his creation, to you and to I. And, and so therefore, um, God is still involved. All right, so here's what I'm gonna have you do. I am going to have you um, find a table with a leader, okay? And if you're not at one, just make a Mondo table, all right? And just join up. But here's what I want you guys to do, is I want you to answer these two questions. Do those make sense, okay? Like what I just explained. And what further questions do you have based off of that, all right? I know we went deep very fast. And so I just want to be clear that, that everything's making sense. And so this is your time to kind of stop me and get deeper and further explanation. All right, so here we go. At your tables, out loud with words. Did those make sense? And what further questions do you have? All right, take about another minute or so. Got it locked in, all right. That's what I like to hear. All right, let's pull that music down. Leaders, were there any questions that came up at a table and, and someone, I don't want to embarrass any, any students, so leaders, any good questions that came up that would be helpful for me to address? Yes. Um, it kind of depends, but by and large, yes. You look at Islam, Judaism, they're theistic um, religions. Yep. And so a lot of people, what's interesting is a lot of people who are very like science heavy or whatever, they think that religion is a crutch, right? So they're like, well, you're just making it up for feel good or whatever. Um, but most major religions, now then there are some like Buddhism and stuff that are a little more pantheistic, right? Like a little more God is everywhere, God is everything. Um, but yeah, for the most part, most religions believe in a, a creator. In fact, you look at Islam and Judaism, especially the roots, like they both kind of believe the Old Testament, right? So good question. Anything else? Anything else come up? All right, so we're gonna, we're gonna keep powering through. So here's the deal. What I'm doing 
is I'm building a case for theism, which is not on the screen right here, but that's okay. You know where I'm pointing at. I'm building a case for theism. I want you to poke holes into that, all right? Because here's the deal. I don't want you to just believe what I tell you. And I don't want your faith to just be dependent on what Pastor Nick says on a stage on the weekends. I also don't want you to just believe because mom and dad go to LHC and this is what LHC ascribes to. Like that is not a, a, a robust or a deep faith on your part. And so the importance of all this is that I want A, you to know how to defend your faith, but B, um, you're probably going to face someone out there who doesn't. And maybe even you're sitting in here and like you, you've gone through the game and people like don't even maybe know this about you in your group, but you have doubts and you have questions. And so, like I said, I am trying to uh, build a case for this, but I also want to provide counterpoints. I want to provide other uh, angles and views from it and stuff as well. So, um, like I said, I want to look at two different evidences that kind of give, give evidence for a creator, all right, a beginning, somebody who had to put it into motion. So the first evidence is why a creator must come first. So probably a little over a hundred years ago, um, two-ish hundred years, there was sort of a trend away from a creator into this materialistic um, way of thinking. So guys like Darwin, right, evolution and that kind of stuff, that was kind of the, the inaugural beginning of this whole materialistic point of view. And so there was a trend away from organized religion and from um, a creator and over to this idea of materialism. And then 1920, all right, so 99 years ago, about 100 years ago, this guy right here discovered something. Does anybody know who that is? Hubble. Good. Hubble is the guy who's the telescope guy, right? Edwin Hubble, 1920. He, he was looking through his telescope, and he discovered that the universe was expanding. And he came to a theory called the Doppler theory, all right? Doppler effect, I'm sorry. And maybe you've heard of the Doppler effect before if you took physics. My physics teacher, he hit a tuning fork and then he ran down the hall so that we could, we could feel or hear the Doppler effect, which the Doppler effect is basically this. Ready? I'm going to show you all my skills, how much lung capacity I have. <gasps> this is our universe. Ready? I was just one, one puff. And it's expanding. And it's expanding. All right, so what Hubble did when he looked into the telescope is he saw galaxies and planets and all these things, and what he discovered was that the further away ones were moving faster than the closer ones. And what he could conclude was that our, our universe is expanding at such a rate, and, and in time since um, Hubble, they have discovered like all these other facts to kind of back them up. And again, I don't have time to dive into them, unfortunately, but all these things that basically say, the universe is expanding at such a rate that if you were to back it up, right, like this. All my spit included as well. You would come back to a single point of origin. All right? And that single point of origin may in fact just be Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And as he created and spoke, all the universe and all the things were, are continuing to expand. In fact, here's a fun fact. Albert Einstein, widely thought to be one of the smartest men of all time, he originally held and ascribed to a materialistic point of view, which basically was uh, earth is self-existent, creation has created itself. But Hubble, 
invited Einstein to take a look through his telescope, and this is the quote that he had. He said, I now see the need for a beginning. And Einstein actually later went on to say one of the biggest mistakes of his professional career was taking the presupposition that God did not exist. So Einstein had this idea, there, there was no creator, there was no uh, person who, who spoke this into motion. And so he took that presupposition into his worldview. And he said that was the biggest mistake he ever made. Alan uh, Sandage also, you guys are just like going way ahead of me, but that's cool. Here is the evidence for what can only be described as a supernatural event. So there is no way that this could have been predicted within the realm of physics as we know it. So this is one of Hubble students, and actually this was done at a conference, and people thought that he was going to come and make a case for um, a materialistic point of view, and he shocked the entire uh, audience there by saying, there is no other way to describe what we found except for a supernatural event and a supernatural beginning. So science itself, which a lot of times, right, you talk to your atheist friends, like, well, no, science debunks God. Some of the more recent findings, so 1920 to 2019, right, that's when Hubble made this discovery. It's in the most recent 100 years, okay? Um, Some of the most recent scientific findings point to the fact that there is a beginning and there is a need for something uh, to start. So all those materialists out there who would say, The universe always was, it was all just kind of floating around and then all of a sudden two things hit each other and then that's what created the Big Bang. Scientists have now taken some of that back and said, you know what, no, actually there is a need for a beginning. So if we look at our our kind of chalkboard up here, how did all this get here? That sort of debunks the materialistic and the pantheistic point of view. Because those say matter was first and we created God as a result of that. When in actuality, there is now no a need for a creator. Someone who spoke it or or started it or put it all into its existence, all right? Now, I'm going to point out to you evidence number two, okay? Evidence number two is why I think a creator needs to be involved. So if you look uh, uh, back at this graphic here real quick, you'll notice that what we're left with is deism and theism. And so if you remember what I said earlier, deism says that a creator is not involved and theism says a creator is involved, okay? So um, I read a blog post this week and it said, let me look up exactly what it said. It said, um, the evidence for uh, creation is that, um, hold on, I skipped a billion things. Let me go back. Um, Before we dive into that, let me show you just a few Bible verses that support some of these things. So Psalm 19, it says this. It says, the heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard, yet their message has gone through the earth and their words to all the world. God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. So Psalm 19 is supporting the theistic point of view, which is saying the heavens and the earth and the skies declare the glory of God. So it points to the evidence and the fact for a creator. Genesis 1.1 points out the fact that God created things. God created that matter. So matter Uh, Or so God came first and matter came second as a result of God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then in Titus, it says this. It says, this truth gives them confidence that they have eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised them before the world began. So this verse is talking the fact that God created time. So God created matter and God created time. Now listen, 
If I were playing devil's advocate, what I would say is, of course your Bible promotes the fact that God exists. That's why I wanted to show you the scientific evidences for a creator. But the Bible itself, which if, if, if science points to the fact that we need a creator, then can we look to scripture and the truth from it to say, this is a historically reliable document and book? Can we believe what it says about God and the fact that the heavens declare God's glory, God created matter, and God created time? All right, so that's that kind of theistic point of view. Now, back to evidence number two, why I believe a creator has to be involved. So the stat I saw on that blog post this week, it said that the earth we live in um, is a one in 700 quintillion kind of place, all right? One in 700 quintillion. So the earth is moving fast enough, but also slow enough to support human life. We have an atmosphere. We have trees and carbon dioxide and just all the things that make this planet uh, support of human life. One in 700 quintillion, all right? So if you guys are very familiar with like odds and probabilities, right? So if I pulled a coin out of my pocket and I flipped it and I said, Lacey, heads or tails? And she said heads, she would have a what? A one in what chance to get it right? One in two, okay? So that's pretty obvious odds. What I have here Combination lock, all right? There's 40 numbers, but you have to get three of them right. So that's a one in 64,000 chance to get this right. So does somebody from this table want to take their best chance at opening my combination lock? Macy, just put in your best guess. So, so some scientists would say, of course the earth we live in is a privileged planet. We live here. Right? Of course that's the case. You don't even know your locker combination? And so what they would say is they would say, this is like just hitting the cosmic lottery, right? It didn't work? Okay. All right, back here. Who wants to try? Caleb, you want to try? Here, you try. Put in your locker combination or or your best guess, all right? So so those, those scientists would say, we hit the cosmic lottery, like, one in 700 quintillion, but our earth hit it, so therefore it supports the evidence for human life. Nope, not one in 700 quintillion. Alec. Yeah, Alec, you're 18. Yeah, you're the oldest one in the room. That's still a student. You're growing facial hair. So there. Are you? Yeah. Come in. What? Whoa. Whoa. How'd you get that? I just put in my locker combination. Just put in your locker combination? <laughs> Alec opened it. Alec, what was it? Also known as 26, 28, 22. <laughs> How many of you think Alec got that first chance all by himself? How many of you think I told him the combination ahead of time? Why do you guys all think I told him the combination ahead of time? all right so here's the thing if a one listen this is really important listen if a one in 64,000 chance Alec gets it the third person to try and you all assume collusion you all assume that he had to have known ahead of time then could those same odds be pointed back to the universe 
the God of the universe in a one in 700 quintillion chance for our planet to have life. It could either be totally random and we just hit the cosmic lottery and this is the only planet that was created and all the explosions and stuff and this is earth that supports life or there's a guy who made it happen and put all those specific little things in place in order for earth to be a place that we could all inhabit and we could live. And so that is the evidence, I think, for an involved creator. Isaiah 45, 18, up on the screen says this. It says, for the Lord is God, and he created the heavens and the earth and put everything in place, and he made the world to be lived in. Not a place of empty chaos. I am the Lord, he says, and there is no other. So God did not just make this random creation of an earth, but instead he finely tuned it for us to live in. And so here, back to our our question at hand, how did we all get here? I think that the first evidence kind of points to the fact that there had to be a creator. And I think the fact that the odds that this planet could support human life was not random and was not done by somebody who doesn't care, but instead was done by somebody who does care. And so here's the question at hand. What you have to decide is what do you think about that? And what do you believe about this God who created all of this? Because here's what a theistic, someone like me who believes in Jesus, here's what Jesus himself said in John 3, 16, 17. Hit that verse for me. It says, for this is how God loved the world. You all know it, right? He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. In verse 17, we don't hear as often, but God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. And so here's my contention. If there's a God who created it, which I think there is, and I think the evidence supports that, and if there's a God who cared enough to allow humans to live on this planet and who, who finally tuned the dials one in 700 quintillion, right? The odds are that much in his favor. Then I think our response is only natural that we should live for him. We're not here by by chance. You're not here by chance. You're not here randomly, but you're here because a God loved you, cared for you, and sent his son to die for you. And so the response now is up to you. And the question lies back in your court. What are you going to do about Jesus, who created everything from the beginning of time, made it very much so that we could all live here? What's that mean for you? Tomorrow morning when you wake up, how's your life gonna be different? Are you going to care enough to decide what you believe in your faith? And are you gonna care enough to be able to defend this and talk about this to people in your school who don't believe in this same stuff? Are you going to stand up for him? Because you see now that the evidence shows the need for a creator. So let me go ahead and pray for you guys and then I'm gonna send you off to a small group to kind of unpack some of this stuff and work through it a little bit more. All right, let's pray. God, Thank you for this group of students in here, their willingness to learn and listen to what you have to say in your word. God, we just pray uh, that you would give us the, um, the focus in the next few minutes of our small group and help us to get to a spot where we can answer, um, what does all this mean for us personally? And how does this change when we wake up tomorrow morning and step foot on our campus? How does all this scientific information change the way or should it change the way that we live? So God, give us the ability to do that now. Give us the focus, time, um, and God, the understanding to to listen to and, and see other people's perspectives on this. In your son's name we pray, amen. All right, off small group. See you guys.